Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody, this would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. I'm Jeff, an under-the-weather version of Jeff, could not go into the studio today. Don't want to get everybody sick. What are you going to do? Sharing microphones and studios and the like. Can't do that, but we wanted to be able to do a show. I do have enough energy for that, especially because today, by the way, gang, and I don't want to jinx it. We'll see. Uh, but but maybe two interviews. Definitely one. Adam Fuller. The defensive coordinator for Florida State going to join us in hour number two. Look forward to talking to Adam Fuller uh, as uh, there have been some changes there. He's got more weapons to use. A lot of questions about uh, what he sees this defense being this year and certain uh, perhaps position changes. I don't know. I'll ask the questions. We'll find out. But I, I do. I am excited about talking to Adam. He's always uh, I always kind of appreciate his candor. He's a pretty straightforward guy and informative as well. We'll talk to Adam Fuller today. And like I said, maybe a. Maybe a second interview uh, that actually will precede the fuller interview. So I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know. Uh, that said, I, I don't often lead fourth game of the season with baseball, but they pound Jacksonville uh, last night and the top of the lineup doing the vast majority of the damage. It's a beautiful thing to see. Now, again, a, a singular result after um, the weekend that was, which was good, uh, is, is not enough to necessarily uh, get you pumped up. But, but let me say this, and, and here is something that does in a small sample size. And I, and I think uh, this is why people were very, very interested to see how Link Jarrett would respond or talk about Cam Smith. Um, and, and, and you're talking about a young player coming in to a program where obviously uh, they needed an influx of, um, of, of, of talent and life and, and perhaps a, a little shot in the arm. But there are expectations galore for that kid. And 
Link did not downplay those when we interviewed him last week. He was like, oh, yeah, no, the, the talent's all there. He's he's really gifted, and uh, where do you see him play third base and all of those things? Well, the reason I bring this up is that obviously he had a good weekend against James Madison and did some things uh, that kind of eye-opening, good footwork over at third, hit a ball off of his knees to the wall in center field, hit his first home run, hit another one last night, uh, ended up doing serious damage again. It's rare, guys, that a true freshman rolls on into college baseball. I don't care that it's James Madison and Jacksonville and adjust to the pressures that come with being a highly touted recruit, but then also the elevation of quality in terms of pitches and at-bats uh, that you have to have. I'm not saying he's going to be Buster Posey or J.D. Drew or John Ford Griffin or any of these superstars that have been around that came in as well-thought-of prospects. I'm just saying he's off to a good start, man. He's off to a really good start. Unaffected would be the word that I would use for that young man. And if you're going to glean something from last night beyond the pitching was good for Florida State, obviously they pound out 15 hits. I'm looking at him and Tibbs. Tibbs, Tibbs batting – well, if you go back, I know the Sunday game was great, but Tibbs should have had multiple hits prior to that Sunday game, balls that he absolutely tattooed. And if you recall last year, I had a little bit of a love affair with Tibbs. That was as sweet and compact and fluid emotion as you could see. I thought he was destined to be a great hitter, was dealing with some injuries. That's a kid that, when healthy, I think has a chance to be a superstar. Now you pair him with another guy in this lineup that – obviously has the tools to become an elite player early in his career. That is something to get excited about. I don't think I'm overstating it, Tom. I don't. I think I think that is something to get excited about. Yeah, uh, look, the, the top of the order has been outstanding. The team as a whole, as a whole, is opsing over 1,100. That's yeah. nuts. It's 45 runs in four games. Uh, this is against lesser competition. I have a feeling when they go to Dallas this weekend, the Fort Worth area, that they might get smacked around a little bit by TCU. But I, I think it would be... Uh, probably higher scoring baseball games. I think that's what we're looking forward to this week. And it's a great test. You you have passed with flying colors your first four games, but now you step up in competition. How far along are you really in this first year trial and experiment for Link Jarrett? The numbers are going to come down. You're not going to ops over a thousand as a baseball club. That's just crazy. Uh, but I, it all starts with Diamas Rossa at the top of the order as yeah. well. He's been really impressive. He's two for two in steals this season. Uh, he's been a force on the base pass and he's consistently getting on the base pass. He's opting a thousand through four games in his college career. And that means that you have two freshmen, two freshmen leading the way and setting the tone in the lineup. The future is bright. We already feel that way because of Link Jarrett's presence, but you can already see that in terms of the batting order. Now the question is going to be the pitching staff and then also the defense. They have eight errors already as a team, eight. That's way, way, way too many. And as you play better teams on the schedule, you give them extra outs. We know what happens and what can happen over a three-game series with a pitching staff as you give a 28th out, a 29th, and a 30th. That extends everybody, and it makes the, the likelihood of winning two out of three a whole lot harder. But it looks like this offensive approach and this lineup, at least from the top side of it, is going to be pretty good all season long. But again, big test this weekend. Looking forward to that uh, as they take on TCU for three. Yeah, you mentioned the top of the order. You get three hits a walk and a stolen base again. You're talking about what they're able to do there. I, 
Carry on hit last night too, by the way, and we have high hopes for him. He's been absurd for the first yeah. few games. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's been really, really good. And I think there's real talent there too. You remember before the season began, one of the things that I brought up about being excited, it wasn't just the presence of link. It was that it brought fresh air to a clubhouse that was in a stale situation. It, it, it gave them the opportunity, a new lease on life. Sometimes when things go wrong, and I'm not here to relitigate all of this, but when you have a familiar voice, which was an extension of the voice before it, and things start to go south, you can really see things slide in such a way that even the upper crust talent begins to fall back into the fold in the malaise of average or below average. And I really think that just the shot in the arm, that a new set of eyes, an enthusiasm for the job, obviously, Link is going to have that being a former All-American here. It's his dream job. People can feed off that. They can feel that. You know, he is he's hitting the ground running. He has since the first time we talked to him. With the subtle changes all the way to the big changes, what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis at practice to analyze swings with the cameras and all the stuff that he added very quickly. Um and, and then an approach that that is a it's an approach that is, I think, consistent. I think you'll watch them have good at bats to your point about the offense this year. I think you're going to see good at bats. I think you're going to yep. see this team shorten up with two strikes and put the ball in play in college baseball. That's a big deal, Tom, because not everybody picks up the ball cleanly. As you're noting, we don't pick up the ball cleanly. But 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 listen, that's college baseball. I would I mean, eight errors. You, you'd like to have less. That's two a game. That's not ideal. It's college baseball. You're going to average maybe one, one and a half a game. So I, I, I'll, I'll live with it. I'll live with that, if, especially if you're going to pound the baseball. If you are. But, yeah, you can't field 950 for the year. Like, that's just unacceptable. No, um, but you can field 980, and, and, and I think they can get to there, 970. That, that's closer to one error a game. And, and, look, one of them last night was Oxford uh, in the third or the fourth inning, uh, and he got out of it himself, uh, struck, strikes out the side after right, actually right. putting a runner on third with nobody outs because it's a two-base error on a simple-ass throw to first, and then there's a wild pitch to get the runner to third. Actually, he's got some impressive stuff. I, I, I mine in the midweek for dudes who can get the swing and miss yeah. in a key situation. I grant you it's Jacksonville, but that's who you got as your opponent right now. So that's all we have to work on. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out with the staff. Uh, we didn't like what happened. Jamie Arnold on Sunday was a little rough. That was a rough go for a first outing. It's a tough deal. First started Hauser. On start, yeah, man. So it, it's, it's tough to sort through all the the noise early in the season there's not enough data to consider but it just looks like so far through four games the offense is going to be the consistent part the defense is going to be a little rough and then the pitching staff is still to be determined but if you get an answer in one of those two places the pitching or the defense to go along with the top half of this order and who knows maybe Jordan Carrion's just a beast all season long if he is then you've got yourself a, a fearsome batting lineup that's extended down through the bottom half and you could be a team that makes some noise in the top 25. And, and maybe we're talking about an accelerated curve here. But, I mean, it's James Madison in Jacksonville. I think everybody's excited. They want to know the answers. And I will say this, too, just behind the curtain. I talked about this on the Smash the other night. The traffic that we're getting, you know, multimedia-wise for baseball is as high as it's been in a long, long time. So we're not alone in speaking with enthusiasm about this program. More people are tuning in, so to speak, across our various channels. I said before the start of the year, they'd be a top 25 team. They'd break into that top 25. They would outpace um, the expectations of many. That is because you have, again, an injection of life and an otherwise uh, 
dark place, which was that clubhouse last year. And, and, and again, that was an ugly situation. There were rumblings of player revolt. There were, there were certainly multiple missives written by parents of players uh, about that situation. There were losses mounting, poor base running mistakes on a daily basis. Uh, the amount of errors made and the kind of, I, I just, I, it was hard to watch them play the game last year. And, and so I kept thinking, look, man, the evaluation of those players, if we believed in something that Mike Martin Jr. did well, it was the evaluation of players. His track record was proven. His track record's been proven for a long period of time as a recruiter and as somebody who can assess what somebody will be. So I knew the roster was not devoid of talent. It was the other stuff that began to collect and pile up. And some at some point, this isn't unlike Jimbo Fisher, by the way. Um, the 2014 roster was as loaded as you could have, and they found a way to make every game close. And there were problems in the locker room there. It was the beginning of the end, and not a lot of people wanted to admit that in the course of an undefeated season. I think you could make the argument that the trip out to Omaha in 11's last year uh, was a, a crazy outlier, an amazing road series victory that we attended in Louisiana and Baton Rouge. To watch that happen was awesome. We all wanted that for 11. But there were, there were issues and things that portend of problems to be even during that run, even during that season. And so I felt like you saw a lot of parallels where the culture was going south. The culture was going south. And if the culture goes south, hey, by the way, we apply this to basketball. Apply it to basketball. I hate it. I hate it, but we got to have the conversation. Clearly, the culture's gone south with the basketball team. That's not a good situation. Now, you marry that with a whole bunch of losses, and you have a disaster on your hands. You have a dumpster fire. You have a situation that has to be dealt with maybe sooner rather than later. Not in a way that you wanted. None of us want that. Nobody's rooting for that. Nobody. We all hope that it can be, in some ways, rectified and quickly. I just don't know that it can be. And we'll see. They've got an erosion of culture. They're not winning games. And you have a 74-year-old old head coach that will be 75 before the start of next year. Does he have the energy, the time, the ability to get this turned around? And how, how big is the transfer portal really going to be for this Florida State basketball team as you try to flip the roster and change the culture? Because who's flocking to this right now? I, I, it's just it's a real problem. It looks like we fixed baseball's problem for now. We'll see what the season is. I think they're going to play the right way. I think they're going to play smart, play hard. They're going to be better than people think. They're going to be good on offense. They'll be average on defense. This basketball program, that's another story. I don't know what to think of that other than I think they're in real trouble. I refuse to talk about that right now. Baseball it is. Baseball it is. Yes, it is an eroded uh, culture. that we They quit often. They're yeah. soft. Yeah. So they're over there. We'll figure it out. We'll see what Michael Alford does in the offseason. Well, that's that's the thing. It's fun to watch that. I mean, it's the program. We can't ignore it. We can't not talk about it. We can't pretend it's not happening. It's a big deal. We love that guy, the accomplishments uh, of that man, and what he did for the program. But we also have to be here to document the downside. And it's not fun. Nobody likes to do yeah. it. But we got to do it. No, agreed. Uh, what I would say, you know, to put a footnote on the past for baseball, because 
it looks like things are trending, obviously, in the right direction. You know, Jacksonville went 5-0 and to start last year. They documented on the broadcast. They went 22-28 and the rest of the way. So, you know, it doesn't matter with fast starts sometimes. We, we could have a rude awakening this weekend and say, oh, defense yeah. sucks, the pitching sucks, the hitting's pretty good, but, you know, when you lose 10-5, to you know, three games this weekend, then what good is it? Um, there, there's still some repairing to be done. The one thing I would say is that Meat's only shot was the pandemic year. They started out fast in 2020, and the season got shut down within a couple of weeks. From there, I think whatever issues there were began to reapply and fester again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and going to that regional in Auburn last year, I expected to see much more hunky doryness, if you will, because they were coming off of a win over UCLA. I get there on day two for the winners bracket matchup against Auburn, and yet there was still an undercurrent of problems among the, you know, the people that were close to the program. I thought, oh, my God, is that right? I thought I was going to come here to a happy pregame tailgate. Let's see what we could do to Auburn. And then about two hours later, you see why, as it is an excruciatingly awful loss in which the toxicity rose to the surface in the FSU section to a level that I had never seen before. And so it wasn't surprising to see that a change was made. But from here, we move on. Meat did load up the roster. That was an excellent signing class that uh, they were able to retain, but it wouldn't have been there in, in that place if it wasn't for Meat. Now what can Link do with it? And um, I think that they could do some interesting things. And, and this weekend series with TCU is just, it's kind of like a little probe. It's like, all right, all right, I see you. You're working. But how good can you be? Because if they take two out of three this weekend, then it gets silly. I always... And I, and I hear you, we, we always caution folks, maybe even folks that are new to baseball, um, and I don't want to chide, but you cannot, and you, you don't do this, neither do I, but I would just suggest it for those that are watching closely now or maybe have been re-energized by this hire. You cannot apply a football mentality to baseball. If Florida State sweeps TCU this weekend, that's a big if. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to the College World Series. No. Doesn't mean they're going to win the ACC. Doesn't mean they're the team to beat. Doesn't mean they're going to be a top eight national seed. It's exciting in and of itself. Apply it to that. Learn some lessons about the bigger picture of this team in terms of what they have offensively, what they have defensively, and what they have from a pitching standpoint. The same is true if they get swept this weekend. It doesn't mean that they're not any good and that their only wins are against bad teams. It doesn't mean that they're going to finish middle of the pack of the ACC. It might, but it doesn't mean that because of that weekend's results. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be a good team by season's end or that they're going to be terrible. Neither is true. A sweep one way or the other. Yeah. If they win 15 to one or they lose 15 to one, it's not telling you the complete story of anything. It's a result of a baseball game. And baseball is the weirdest damn sport. It is meant to be played over a long swath of days and weeks and months because that is the only way you get a clear picture of what a team is. And that's why the playoffs in Major League Baseball is so different than the regular season a lot of times. I mean, you just got to get into the dance in postseason baseball and you got a shot, especially if you got an ace. So it's it's just really weird, right? You know, that's all I'm saying. Let's all check off the boxes as we go along and not go crazy one way or the other about what this means. The good thing is, though, the perception is reality when it comes to national seating. And if there's a 50-50, if you made an early season statement, then, you know, the host of the committee uh, sure. for NCAA is more likely to select you as a host. 
And I know I'm putting the cart before the horse, but you, you have to look at the calendar and say that this is a massive opportunity. TCU is number eight in the country. Oh, it's a big deal. It's a big series, and, by the way. It's a real big series. And if you, I'm not downplaying the importance of the series. I'm not downplaying how excited I am about the series and what it might tell us. I'm yeah. just saying that we don't want to put no, all our right. eggs in the basket of a series on the road against TCU. The first time they're playing a really good opponent on the road. Um, it's not going to tell us whether they're great or horrible. Agreed. I'm not saying that you're doing that. But what I am saying is that is followed by a midweek game with USF, Gulf Coast, Bethune, Pitt, UCF for two, and Boston College before you play Florida. So if you take two out of three this weekend, there's a chance, and the bats do what they've done, there's a chance you could mash your way into the middle of March with an exceptional record. Oh, sure. And the perception is on your side. That's all I'm saying is that this is a huge opportunity because at least on paper, and baseball's not played on paper, we know this, but at least on paper, the next few weeks worth of the schedule is really gettable. And at that point, you are ranked in the top 15 or the top 10, and this thing has sped up. And then you, there's a chance we could be playing baseball games in the summer. Well, at least Tallahassee summer might not be technically on the calendar. 100-degree temperatures at Dick Hauser Stadium for a regional or a super regional. And that's really fun. I, I, I love those weekends. They're special to me. I would like to have another one of those this weekend, uh, this year at minimum. Could have left out the 100-degree temperature part. The picture that was being painted was perfect until you mentioned the temperature as we enter the Hauser. It's at that point, not even the standing puddles can survive at Dick Hauser Stadium. It's Jeff Cambridge Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 mentioned it at the top of the show want to mention it again here as uh, you could be driving around just Popping in, listening on the radio on 93.3 FM, or if you just joined us on Warchant TV, Adam Fuller, the defensive coordinator for Florida State, set to join us next hour. Looking forward to talking with Adam. Uh, actually, just on the heels of that, I should mention that uh, we got the good news today in the inbox. I'm sure, Tom, you saw this as well. Um, Derek reaching out and letting us all know that the pre-spring media luncheon will take place next Friday. Not this upcoming Friday, but next Friday, March the 3rd. And Mike Norvell's press conference will begin sharply, uh, no doubt, at yeah. 11.30. So uh, that will take place. Look forward to hearing from Mike again. And it's during that luncheon that we get the opportunity to talk to the other coaches. All of them, in fact, are made available. And some players oftentimes, too. So that's always fun. Uh, we'll get out in front of that meeting this week with our own Adam Fuller one-on-one. -on -one, and then we'll talk to him again next week and, and, and amongst others. So we look forward to doing that. 
Um, and, and I think it's, frankly, it's always a fun time because it signifies we're really close uh, to, to action starting, things to really report on, things to get excited about. You also get a little bit clearer picture of uh, expectations, who's available, who isn't available. Perhaps sometimes they'll reveal uh, some changes in, on the roster in terms of one, a guy going to another position or flipping sides of the ball, those kinds of things get revealed oftentimes if the question's asked pointedly enough. Uh, so some further clarification, it's almost go time. This is the last week of February. And uh, it's funny, for as long as January lasted, February has been uh, yeah. a blip on the radar, which is fine with me because March is when spring starts, and I want March to get here because I am ready for spring football practice in a way that I haven't been in years. Yeah, this is where I will always be um... – the rose-colored glasses media guy because the policies that Mike Norvell has are just whoop-ass. They're the best. They're the I really – I never got to experience Bobby Bowden's open-door policy from back in the day in which there were, you know, the Sunday morning breakfast with Coach and uh, carte blanche, whatever you wanted for practice. You show up. You get access. You can pull a player aside. Like, I wasn't here for any of that. The first thing I ever covered was his final game in Jacksonville. Like, that was the, the Gator Bowl against West Virginia. So I never knew that media policy. Jimbo Fisher was quite good for his first year because he was trying to ingratiate uh, himself to the media. He knew that there was a bit of a rebuild. From there, it was kind of on lockdown. And this policy is just the best. This is like, I want him to succeed for many reasons. As a citizen of the city of Tallahassee, it's yeah. good for business. It's good for business to all of our vendors and our sponsors when Florida State's good. Hell, we're alums. So there's that level of it as well. But man... If we have to go back to the days of you get the first 15 minutes for stretch and then your, your ass is out, that is awful. That, I don't want that. I love this luncheon because everybody is subdued. They're willing to open up and talk and have dialogue. And then you get the formal in front of the, the microphone and the camera interviews. And then it's go time on Monday where you get to see the work these kids have put in in the training room as it pertains to putting on shells. The good thing is actually before Friday's luncheon, we will be there thursday morning for the final tour of duty workout so you'll be able to see some of the newcomers i remember last year the first guy that jumped off the page az thomas he looked different so i wonder if it is that hakeem williams is that somebody else uh next thursday when we go over there it's going to be fun to see given that we have stood next to hakeem williams as yeah. he wore the shirt i am him yeah uh i think that's the answer that yes, he will look very impressive because he already has looked very impressive physically. Um, but we will get to see him run. We will get to see him work out. We will get to see that aspect beyond just what we've seen of his high school tape and what we've seen of him standing in person as opposed to moving. Yep. So yeah, I, I, I got you. Um, I'm excited about that too. I'm excited for so many position groups that it gets to be so repetitive. I keep talking about it because to me, you really can go every group. Even for non-starters, you can go every group. I mean, yesterday on Seminole Headlines, I brought up, don't forget, we brought in a kicker from ETSU. I, I mean, we've got competitive balance, Tom. The thing that we're looking for, competitive balance. We got it here, buddy. Yeah. This is what Major League Baseball is starving for. Now you, ha you have it right here in our own backyard. Yeah. At every position. There's probably five dudes that are safe that are holdovers from last year. And it's Jordan, Trey Benson. Mastromano and the two linebackers. Is that about it? Everybody else is battling. Yeah. And, and by the way, I would argue, um, well, 
I don't know that I'd make a strong argument, but I certainly might argue in favor of let's see what Blake Nicholson is. Mm. Let's see how quickly he can adapt because that's an athlete now. Um, I, and he's, and he's thick for a freshman. So we'll see, man. I, <laughs> I hope, I hope that he's capable of making an impact. I don't expect him to as a true freshman, but let's hope, I mean, stranger things have happened. We've seen players come in and, have um, you know some gifts that uh, not all freshmen have and have the ability to get on the field early. So it's not impossible. Yeah. The whole thing to me is, you know, how are you going to divvy up your time with these practices? Because you get three of them. I think it is. They, there may be four, but I'm pretty sure it's three before they break for spring break. You get a, a week off around uh, the, the first week of March madness, uh, St. Patrick's week, uh, all the kids locally in town are gone. So it's nice that Florida state mirrors that as an institution. And then also football practice takes a bit of a breather, but you know, all of those minutes now are critical. Uh, there are some camps where you want to see the skill position players only. There are some camps where you want to focus on a quarterback battle every year. It's a little bit different this year. It's you talk about the competition of receiver versus defensive back offensive line versus defensive line, the backup quarterback battle. Uh, if they've got drills that, that involve, you know, a linebacker pursuit of running backs, things like, like it's all interesting. Because you're right, there's competition across the board. You can learn something from every part of the practice field and the practice operation. There are times when it is a waste of time to look at one position battle because you know that the offensive line is so bad that the defensive lineman can't learn a damn thing about practice. The only time that they're going to be tested is in a game. That's not the case anymore. There's competition within a segment group, and then there's competition across the football on the other side from the competition they're going to see day to day. I don't know if we're going to have to do like it was old PE class and go station to station ourselves to get a, a breadth of understanding or if we're going to have specialty roles, but I, I'm looking forward to it. it it's, this is a lot of data to crunch and it's about time. It took, it's been only two months since they played their bowl game, but it's been a long two months. January was good Christ. I will say this. Um, I, yesterday when we were talking about the depth chart and the competition, uh, there was a moment where we were talking about Dennis Briggs. You and I have talked about this off the air. I really have high expectations and hopes, frankly, for that young man. You know how angry I was about the cheap shot. He was engaged. It was intentional. All of that still pisses me off. And I would pretty much for the rest of my career as a head coach be injuring Louisville players if I had the opportunity. Um, but, but that said, um, that's just vindictive me. For him, he was a rising star. A lot of fans do not realize how much they thought they had in him, meaning the coaches, what they thought he was going to be. A player with a, a dual skill set to slide inside and outside. A lot of times, if you're not a fierce pass rusher, if you're not, you know, preternaturally fast and coming off the edge the way that a verse does when we see like that quickness sometimes is alarming, right? then you don't often get, Patrick Payton at times, you don't get the same sort of uh, admiration at that position as opposed to the guy that sets the edge, Keir Thomas, guys like that who are just as vital, they just fill a different role. Briggs was a guy that I thought was multifaceted, got hurt, never looked right last year. Just never looked right. So if, if I want to throw more uh, fuel on the fire of high hopes and anticipation of great things, I'll point to a guy like that who I thought at the end of the year, if you go back in the FSU-Oklahoma game, go back and watch that last play. He beats a double team. 
lickety split and it gets overshadowed by verse, but he's there. And you saw glimpses of it late in the year. If he returns to the trajectory he was on, Florida State has a plus-plus player on that defensive line that is largely being ignored in the bigger discussion of these competitions that we reference all the time. We, we kind of tend to, or I read and hear people kind of reference him as just another guy, a Jag. I don't think he's that. I think a healthy version of him is he's a plus-plus player further adding to your opportunities and depth and, you know, the multiple looks and fronts that you can give offenses. He's a guy that allows you to be more multiple, which is a big deal because I think Florida State has to get more multiple. Yeah, if you're talking first and second down, I think just looking at the depth chart right now and is the more natural place for him to play, you're kind of loaded in the middle. I don't know that defensive tackle is where you want him to be in a, in a neutral down and distance situation. And if that's the case, and let's just say that the, the development is to that level or, or uh, the, the long-term rehab, if you want to term it that way, is, is to a good level for Briggs. Then you've got the following in the equation at defensive end. You've got Verse, McClendon, Patrick Payton, Gilbert Edmond, the transfer. Who I'm excited Briggs, to see, yeah. Dennis Briggs. And then if Turner develops into anything, now you're talking about immense depth at defensive end. I, you know, as we've talked about the line in general this offseason, all I've been focused on is the depth at the interior positions where you've got veteran depth. Uh, and then you've also got some young guys that are up and on the rise. And that, you know, rounds out to about seven or eight dudes that you could in theory, by the time fall camp is over, rotate in a game and not be, you know, holding your breath defensive end. I, I've struggled to get past two or three guys that you really like, but if Briggs is a developed player and Edmund from South Carolina is good. Now you're talking about, you've got a rotation there as well where they can go 100% on fewer reps. And if you develop another guy or two, like a Turner, then you're actually secretly and sneakily kind of loaded at defensive end as well. That's going to be something that'll be interesting to see throughout the drills. I love watching the trenches, um, but maybe Adam Fuller will go into it. Maybe he'll talk about some of those roles now that they've got a bunch of bodies and talented ones to throw at the problem on defense. And maybe that can help shore up some of the issues that we saw towards the end of the season, which was utter domination by the Florida offensive line. And then a pretty good lesson taught to us by the Oklahoma offensive line as well. And I would certainly tell people and mention this repeatedly without having to be the guy that's the sourpuss to all of our grand expectations. But, you know, <laughs> the, this is going to get interesting. I, I know I'm going to be the guy on staff that pours water on all of this, and I hate that I'm already falling into this role. But when I hear you say loaded, I know what you mean. But I'm comparing this to loaded in terms of elite national championship contending depth. And in no way are they loaded. They have players that are plus players compared to where we've been. Guys that within the ACC can give you really responsible and even plus reps. Are they game changers, dominant players beyond the starters on the edges? I don't think so. In the interior, maybe it's close. I think you've got, because look at our starters, Tom, on the interior. Are those Georgia level defensive tackles, Ohio State level defensive tackles, Michigan level defensive tackles? I mean, a few other spots you can name. I I don't know. I don't know. I, I wish we had the opportunity. 
to take the same tour that we do every day over there at our practice fields to some of those that we seek to compete with. Yeah, I, I hear you. I just don't think it's a dead issue as in a non-starter and a no uh, with a defensive interior because you got a couple things going on here. I liken this again to college basketball. You've got super seniors leading the way with Fisk and Lovett. And I think that counts for something. You know, these are these natural freaks that are playing at Georgia. And when you go to the second team of the third team practice field, you're going to be wowed across the board in a way that you won't be at Florida State's practice. That's my point. A hundred percent. But you're also talking about maturing body types and kids that aren't fully grown into who they're going to be. And so they've got the, they've got all the, the natural tools, but there has to be a refinement to what they're going to develop into. Whereas you've got a couple 23-year-olds here that are going to be leading the way for FSU. And then behind them, and I'm assuming that Daryl Jackson's not going to start. Maybe that's a bad assumption on my part. Maybe he is one of the two starters. But that dude is a plus ACC player at minimum. Absolutely. At minimum. And then from there, you've got some younger players who might develop into a little something-something too. And when you have that rotation that strengthens it's the tide that rises all boat, raises all boats. I, I think that if you had, let's just say Georgia had two of their studs that are five-star-ish type players, and they've got a lot of them in the defensive interior, but they had to play 85% of the snaps all game, maybe they're not as good either. And it, the fact that they can rotate it in and out makes the whole operation well, that, more you know, fearsome. Looks like we're going to have one hell of a rotation this year. Yeah, and I think it's a, a a very plus rotation from the ACC's standpoint. I, I think it will enable us to dominate football games and probably win a lot of football games this year. I think that I what I've done in my head is make the transition, and maybe too soon, uh, I've made the transition from I want us to be good to I want us to be great. I want us to be national championship great. I want us to compete for titles now. This This is now the next step. So when people hear me talk about this or I sound like I'm kind of softening expectations, I'm comparing it to national championship level play, not ACC level play. I think I more than agree with you that this rotation now is plus all throughout the ACC. This is a weak league. Um, we better be that. I want us to transcend that. We've got to get beyond this sorry-ass league and go to where you can dominate on a Saturday against an upper crust team in the big 10 or the sec. And that's where I, and that's how I'm comparing these players. Are they of that ilk? Uh, some of them yeah. are. Yeah. I, I think, I think your starters will be, and we'll, we'll see about. Like, I mean, versus versus for sure. It, I mean, Jared versus Dennis Briggs can help redefine that question to bring it back to the original player. He can help redefine the answer to that question. I should say, Yeah, uh, because if he is a plus player, and you have him versus Peyton, and then you figure it out with Edmund or McClendon or whoever else, then, yeah, I mean, you've got yourself, again, a rotation where it's not the same when your starter leaves the field, but it's not awful when he does. Edmund's also a big key here. You're right to bring him up a couple of times. He's played a lot of football for South Carolina. We rated that damn roster a beautiful thing, but I, I'll tell you what, I mean, if he, if we look at him and he's got that SEC body, remember when we saw Jermaine Johnson and we were like, whoa, and I'm not saying he's going to be Jermaine Johnson, but when we saw that, we went, oh, my goodness, that's different. If well, if you got another guy that looks like something similar and he can do that, I mean, then you're seeing this, suddenly the floor is raised quite a bit. Well, find me a Keir on this roster. It could be him, could be somebody else. But if you yeah. find me a Keir Thomas and then you can just stuff 
Peyton and Verse on the other side in third and obvious, I mean, or on the field at the same time in third and obvious, you're going to get off the field. The question is, how good does this defense need to be in order to be a playoff contender? How good does this defense need to be in order to be able to compete with a Georgia? Well, let's talk about that in a second here in the next segment, because I, I that's a good question. I like it. I want you to revisit that as soon as we come back from the break. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. ago tom asked the question is how good do we have to be we we're talking about the defense to be uh, an acc level uh dominant team and 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 a playoff team on defense or how good do you have to be to be a national championship contender and it's weird right because and i'm kind of paraphrasing tom's question that's pretty much how you said it right yeah yeah um all right so one of the things that I bring up here is that it's odd to say, but we just saw it. We just saw it. It's odd to say that somebody could be a playoff contender and not a national championship contender. <laughs> but I really think that's the truth. TCU was not a national championship contender. They did play for the national title. <laughs> so you can say, well, by definition, you're wrong. You watch that game? Did they belong anywhere near the same field as Georgia? At every position, they were weaker. Everyone. It wasn't close. They were dominated across yeah. the board. And they could play that game 10 times. It would always be lopsided. It would always be lopsided. Now, that doesn't mean TCU didn't deserve to be there. It doesn't mean they weren't a worthy playoff team. They were. They beat Michigan. That was a hell of a win. Michigan kicked themselves, uh, obviously, repeatedly in that first half, but it doesn't matter. TCU took advantage, won the game, got to play for a national title. Good for them. Great story of college football. Could Florida State do that? They could. I will concede that Florida State could do that. Do I think they're a legit national championship contender right now with this roster? I don't. I don't. And it's such a fine line. I think they need another year or two of building up this roster with high-caliber, upper-crust players to reach that place. They have it at quarterback right now. They have it with Jared Verse right now. They might have it with a couple of offensive linemen and a couple of defensive linemen. They do not have it at linebacker. We've got a ton of questions about the secondary. We just don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe they'll prove me. Maybe Fintrell Cypress comes in and he's great. It's possible. I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's it's entirely possible. Maybe Azaria Thomas takes the next step and plays to the ability that his athleticism and his length suggest he should. All of a sudden, you got a different secondary if those two things happen, admittedly. But we don't know that yet. They haven't done that yet. We haven't seen yeah. that yet. We don't know what's going to happen at safety yet. We don't think that they're high caliber at linebacker. We don't think that beyond the front 
two, the, the, the top two defensive ends, that they're real deep there. I think the interior of the offensive line is ACC plus plus caliber. I don't think it's SEC plus caliber. And from there, I mean, Benson's a, a, a national championship contending kind of running back. Let's see what the tight ends are. That's really exciting. The possibilities perhaps are endless there. Yeah. Um, so you, you get where I'm going with this. So it's, you know, we did a segment on this yesterday, Gene and I, about on three ranking Jordan Travis, the sixth best quarterback in the country with guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix ahead of him, you know, in the preseason rankings. And if you look at 2022 empirically through efficiency metrics and then also PFF equally weighted all across the board, Jordan is a top two or top three quarterback. That's why the Heisman odds have him ranked as such as well. I think I think Vegas knows the thing or two. So my point about that would be, do you trust your quarterback to be the better player in just about every game you play this year? Yeah, short of facing USC in the semifinals. And I did say semis again. Uh, I, I feel pretty good about Jordan Travis being the better quarterback in the games that Florida State's going to play. Do you really trust your offensive coordinator? Yeah. Do oh, you yeah. trust that they can find a way to produce even yeah. when there is a loss uh, or at, let's just say, a marginal to a significant loss in the trenches, defensive line against your offensive line? They've already proven that. There's no guesswork there. They can do it. Agreed. So to me, at present, Florida State is better positioned this year than TCU was last year. More talent, and they've got better coaching and more explosiveness on offense. I think that's just a fact. The question comes down to the defense and how good can they be. The defensive rotation up front is something we've talked about at length in the previous segment. They're going to be better there. Where do they shuffle the bodies in the secondary, and how good can they be? Because if you can get off the field every once in a damn while, this offense should be enough to take you where you need to go to get to the playoff. And then, look, in the playoff itself, Ohio State gave Georgia everything that they could handle and more. They were the better team for the balance of the football game. They should have won the game. That was the national championship. Correct. And that was a team that got blown out at home by Michigan. So and, and Michigan, of course, you know, they played an awful game, but they lost to TCU. So I, I think this is closer to in touch than it has been, especially since Georgia doesn't have a quarterback that they know anything about as yet. I think this is closer to in touch than it might have been two years ago or three closer. years ago. Yeah, closer. We, we're not college, arguing that. This yeah. is the legacy of college football and the transfer portal and COVID eligibility. Yeah, I think, I think it brings everybody closer to the center. Now, the question is, when COVID eligibility runs out, do we go back to the old way of things? Or does the transfer portal still mitigate it a little bit? We're going to shake it out and see over the next three or four years. Yeah, and remember, Michigan's a back-to-back -back playoff team. Florida State is not. Um, there, there are Listen, the, the, the Ohio State team that you referenced has recruited in a way that Florida State hasn't. Correct. And, and, and that's why they were in a position to win the national title. They had the same level of talent as Georgia. Nobody else can say that. Not Michigan. Not, I know Michigan won that game against Ohio State, but we know it, that's an outlier or whatever it happened. It was My question for instruction is what it was. I, I have a sense that if they played again, it wouldn't look like that. But anyhow, it doesn't matter. The, the point is that also, by the way, that's another point. We could do this for a while because my argument against Florida State is if somebody decides to give you a whole batch of what for on a given Saturday and they have the manpower to do it, as in I'm going to line up, I'm going to double tight this bitch and run right at you, and I don't think you have the hosses to stop this. And they play with violence the way that Georgia plays with violence or Ohio State can. And Michigan does sometimes. I don't know that Florida State has that. I don't know that they have the manpower to handle that. Oh, um, they, they better not have two empty possessions because they could be down 10 points and chasing. And that's that is a nice counter, and that's a fair counter. I don't know that we're going to go run rough shot over Georgia's defense throwing the ball around the lot. So, again, I'm trying to compare it to national championship level play. 
That's all. I'm not discounting how much better Florida State is now than they were. I'm not discounting how much better Florida State's chances are of making the playoff are. I'm not discounting that we should all have very high expectations and be enthused by that. I'm just saying now, if you transition like I have from I want to be good to I want to be great, as in I want to play for titles, now you're the bar is so much higher when you do that. That's all I'm saying. So you got to start looking at the yeah. creme de la creme and the depth of that talent. Are we there yet? I think we need another year or two. That doesn't stop me from thinking this team can win 11 games this year and go to the playoff. Correct. I, I think I am still in the I'm happy we're here phase, and you are <laughs> F that S. I want to win the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm moving on, baby. We've already established it. In hour number two, Adam Fuller, the defensive coordinator, Tasked with a lot of responsibility this year to get this defense continue to rise, continue to climb, if you will. He'll join us. You'll want to stay tuned for that. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.